Welcome to Zephyr Yoga Inspiration. I offer these podcasts for free, and your support really does make a difference and is appreciated. To make a donation, please click the link in the episode description or visit ZephyrYoga.com. Welcome. I'd like to share a quote with you by Mahatma Gandhi that really inspired me to teach this. He states that a simple act of kindness is far more powerful than a thousand heads bowing in prayer. With what we are facing on a global community, the pandemic, climate change, the ongoing wars, and the recent one that has just broken out, I felt the need to practice myself as well as offer this to my community, Maitri practices. So Maitri in Sanskrit means friendliness. In Pali, it's metta. Now, the Maitri Bhavana, this way in which we can cultivate and develop as we produce a feeling of friendliness, of benevolence, of affection, goodwill, this kindness, or an unconditional friendship, a love, and a deep acceptance for ourselves as well as others is so important to our practice. Now, if we actually kind of stripped away, you know, pulled off these kind of um, layers of our cultural conditioning, stripped away that our opinions, our beliefs, the previous experience, impressions, all of our memories that created this sense of how we perceive the world. If we strip off all of it fundamentally at our core, especially the yoga perspective in seeing what we truly are, not who we are, but what we truly are is said to be one, is said to be the same grace that lights all life. It is said to be in that yogic perspective, pure consciousness embodied in our unique form. So consciousness abides in me just as much as it abides in you, but is it is expressing itself through the uniqueness of Zephyr, the uniqueness of you. And when we say namaste, what it's really pointing us to is that, that meaning that I recognize this divine life that flows within me, and I recognize that same divine life within you. And that we start to see at our core fundamentally There is a basic goodness. There is a decency. And I truly believe that at our core, our true nature is love. And no matter where you live on this planet, we all desire to have more joy in our life, to be more happy in our experience of living, to find more meaning and purpose and the energy to actually fulfill that purpose. We all desire that and we all desire not to suffer needlessly. However, as the teachings express, this is unavoidable. You know, as we exist, as we love, we are subjected to the pain of change, of illness, of aging, and death. And the ironic dilemma is the more that we love, the more deeper we feel it, the more it hurts when we lose it. It changes and we have to grieve it. 
So it is likened to benefiting from an open flame, a fire. You know, we get light from that fire. We get warmth from that fire. But if we get too close, it burns. And we learn protection tools to keep us away from that fire. But sometimes when we get burnt so much, we end up being so far away from that fire, we can't benefit from the light and the heat anymore. In our yoga practice, what we are doing is actually building more of that fire, building that fire, not only just physical heat, energetic heat, but that mental heat of concentration, that fire to burn brighter and hotter, to actually start to learn how we react to that fire and noticing what comes up in our way we want to push it away or avoid it or we want we kind of want to get distracted from it we sit with that fire and using the different tools and techniques that yoga provides to actually learn how to respond to that fire in a way we welcome it in as a teacher and as we benefit from that warmth that light that heat we start to see that we become transformers. We have that alchemy to actually, that pratipaksha bhavana, whatever comes our way, we can actually transform it into actually seeing that that fire is essential to all life. So there is a beautiful quote that says that I survived because the fire inside me burnt brighter and hotter than the fire that surrounded me. So, our work in yoga is to become, um, to really become friends with ourselves and stop looking outside ourselves for validation, to really turn inwards our attention and feel at home and relaxed within that fire that burns bright to have a relationship with what causes us pain, difficulty, and hardship, to try different asanas, to stress us out, to get us to react so we can become aware of our habitual way. We want to push away that fire and then notice what tools we can use to softly lean into it, knowing that that fire is there to serve us, to work with us, to um, evolve us as we manage the current of our life um, that is flowing. And it's just giving more tools to be more self-resilient um, and be able to have a more um, fulfilling life. So in the Yoga Sutras, it states out that we humans, all of us, are going to be subjected to mental emotional afflictions. We call these the kleshas. There's five. Now, the first klesha that we will notice, especially when we are embracing that fire, is, is that we have some avidya. This is the ignorance. This is our misapprehension. It's that misunderstanding. It's the distortion in the lens in which we are perceiving through. And I'm sure, like I have done this, and I'm sure you have done this, you've come to a yoga practice. And you've done a yoga practice, but you were not there. You weren't even aware of what was actually under the current um, of thought and emotion. And we start to kind of not even see how much 
life has affected us and we kind of do our yoga practice, not even being present, we come off and we're still hurting and we bump into other people passing off the suffering because we are hurting. So there is this sense that our yoga practice is to clear the lens in which we can actually see what is muddying the waters, you know, what is under the surface of things and we start to go, wow, this is what I'm thinking. Wow, this is what is being felt. Wow, this is what's pulling me into my dis-ease, my, my pain, my sorrow, my anger, my suffering. And so as we use our practice to use that heat and that light to clear our lens so we can see into the truth, this starts to then unfold in for us to actually start to work with Ashmita. Ashmita is our egotism, a thinking more or less of who we actually are. This is that distorted sense of self. This is that limited self by limiting us by our labels, you know, by limiting us of what we can or cannot do, by limiting us of what we have or have not. And that sense of defining ourselves by the smallness of ourself. Our yoga practice is to unravel those knots, unravel those stories that we tell ourselves, unraveling our own harsh judgment and criticism and starting to see not just who we are but what we are and what we will always be is that consciousness trying to express itself in your unique form and to align to um, a right-sized ego we need a healthy ego to actually function so this sense of understanding the ego that is more aligned to your true nature love joy this inner awareness in which you are always free. And so that unfolds into the next klesha, which is raga. And raga is this klesha in which pulls you into yearning, this desire, this craving, this addictive um, reaching and grasping for something more pleasurable than this moment, because this is like feeling, oh, too hot, too painful. I don't want to feel this, so I'm going to reach for something more pleasurable. I know I've done it. I know you've done it. Thinking that the next pose will get you a little fix. Thinking that more chaturangas is going to sort out your problems. Thinking that another vinyasa will. And then that craving something more pleasurable than being here. Or we go into the other devasha of avoiding anything that causes pain. This resistance and this pushing away. I don't want to feel this. I come to yoga to feel the rainbow of life. To actually um, feel the kind of soft fluffy kittens and the unicorns that I experience and I just want to listen to the music louder and lose myself and bypass my human experience because I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't want to feel the effects of being me. And so there's this avoidance that then unfolds in a Vesha. And Abhini Vesha is a primordial fear of the wise and the naive. If we come up to the cliff edge, you will, all of us will react to going, oh, get away from the cliff edge, I might die. So this Abhini Vesha is the fear of loss, change, and death. And it pulls of that, oh my gosh, if I injure myself and I can't do my practice, who am I? If I lose my job, who am I? If I lose my relationship, who am I? If I lose my family, who am I? If I lose my house, my country, who am I? 
And that who am I when I'm not trying to be somebody? We work with those fundamental fears in our practice, in our way in the art of surrendering, the art of letting go, the art of accepting the inevitable end and seeing the impermanence of all. Everything has a beginning, middle, and end. And how do we ride that wave with grace, trust? How do we learn to open and not attach or be possessive, not resist reality, not get diluted in our way in which we want to attach our ego and think this is who I am and make that solid. How do we dissolve our ignorance around not seeing this? And so we work with the flow of our practice, the grace that flows within us and around us, and we start to, in practice, notice these kleshas bubbling up to the surface. In the Yoga Sutras, it states in Sutra 131 that you'll notice them in four ways. The first way is you'll notice your negative thinking, the judgmental, critical thoughts. And there is this thinking brain that is constantly trying to, one, protect you. You know, that's ultimately what it's trying to do. But there's a knowing brain that just starts to look at it and go, wow. We're having a really hard time. That is really negative. The next thing that you'll feel is emotional distress. All of a sudden, your practice opens up um, the armor, and underneath it is this vulnerability of your pain, your sorrow, your loneliness, your sadness, your anger, your resentment, all of the emotions that percolate up, and it feels very unsettling. That opens you to the third symptom of these kleshas being present, is instability felt in your body. You'll feel a rigidity where you find it so hard to let go. You'll find your body shakes because you're affected by your, your life circumstances. You'll find that you won't be able to sit still and in your asana, and you'll just notice this constant trying to, you know, avoid feeling, oh, your body reacts in this somatic way. The last thing is, is that you'll notice disturbances in your breath that mirror the disturbances in the mind. So we have a tendency as we're practicing yoga, notice that you're holding your inhale all the time. And you're like, and it's this reaction of either an anxiety fear response or you're angry and you just can't let go or you're holding out on the exhale. And there's this disassociation, this depression that you just are like, I can't breathe in any life. I just don't have it in me. And you hang out on the exhale. Or you will notice these little speed bumps in the breath that mirror the speed bumps in the mind as we have experienced that our breath is directly linked to the mind and body. It's what links the two. It's the yoga. It's the union. And this is the thing is, is, is that the reason why we feel homeless, I think this is a quote by John Donahue, an Irish poet. Or he says that the reason why we feel so homeless is, is the mind is always abandoning its home. And in that way that we start to recognize where we leave ourselves, where your attention goes, 
your breath will follow. And your breath is a vehicle for prana, that grace, your life force. So prana and the mind swim in tandem. So where your breath goes, your mind is there. Where your mind goes, your breath and prana is there. So what we're trying to do in our practice is starting to notice when we return back home and then all of a sudden speed bump goes and we vacate and abandon. And so turning the mind back to the breath, absorbing the um, experience of starting to know what is disturbing the breath and then starting to be accountable and responsible to the mind and noticing what thoughts, stories, commentary that are pulling you out of practice. So with that, there is a solution and it's in the Yoga Sutras. So this is not me, this is just the teachings. And if you can practice this way, what you are going to be doing is finding that yoga of merging the mind back home in its body and this intimate relationship. And the first solution the Yoga Sutras offer you in Sutra 129 is to move inwards. Instead of seeking something outside you, more stuff, more followers, more likes, you know, more labels, you know, all that external stuff can't fill that void. But what we can do is move inwards and cultivate that self-awareness and deep self-understanding as we accept what is in this moment. We then devote ourselves to a disciplined practice as we wake up and become more self-actualized, transcending old patterns and habits as we transform ourselves into what we have always been, what we will always be, is that underlying layer of all creation consciousness embodied as us, as we recognize ourselves. So as we move inwards, the second instruction in Sutra 132 is, is that we focus on one thing at a time. I know in my life, I got two teenage daughters. I got bills to pay. I got a relationship to nurture. I have classes to teach. I have clients to take care of. I have yoga retreats I'm going to, and I have travel restrictions. I have taxes to pay. And all of a sudden, my life feels very overwhelming. And then I kind of focus on my body and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got an ache and pain and I'm aging and I can't do the asanas like I used to. Ah! And we become overwhelmed and we like, I don't know, just focus on one thing at a time. And I would suggest focus on what is the most noisiest, you know, physically noisy, energetically noisy, mentally, emotionally noisy. And, and as you focus on one thing at a time, what we are meant to be cultivating, Sutra 133, is a non-judgmental loving awareness. Two, friendliness, Maitri. Three, a joy, a happiness, so muditu and sukha. And then four, karuna, compassion. So this loving kindness and friendship towards ourselves, in which we connect to that natural joy of being alive and find compassion for our sorrow, our difficulty, our hardship, the kind of um, cracks that feel so wounded and as we find this equanimity in body, energy, and mind, that loving awareness that 
is not disturbed by life's events, not drawn into judgment or contempt of us and other, that these four attributes really inspire us to bring us to peace of mind, body, and heart, to welcome all as a teacher, to reframe our relationship to what is present. This Maitri is our ability to live with kindness for our messiness, our shadow side, where we feel that we keep falling short, that we're not enough as we are, the areas we find difficult to accept. We embrace and show up on our mat and welcoming all, connecting to that flow of grace that is within us, around us, working with us and for us to wake us up to its presence in everything as we embrace that fire that feels so hot and that burns so bright, that we acknowledge what is going on, floating into the current of our you know, life, what's underneath the surface that's muddying the waters, and that way in which we give ourselves the permission to feel more fully. As we calm the current by refining the breath, the inflow, the outflow, we allow this feeling of sensation to unfold. We actually use the light that we're cultivating from our heat of our practice to heal us, to inspire us, to transform us in way in which we start to awaken as our mind becomes more stable, at rest in its true home, our heart. And in that, we start to open to this moment, to see clearly into the truth of this moment and see where we're going in life, see what direction we are moving. And as we have a clear purpose, we feel that we have that energy to keep going, to keep showing up. And ultimately, where we are all going, where we are all longing to be, is at home in this way in which we connect to our true home, not our bricks and mortar, but our true home within, where we feel safe, where we feel loved, where we feel belonging and connected to source, this source that is joyous, awake, and always free, this divine, current of consciousness that is serene, peaceful, and tranquil, we open to that vast boundless ocean, draw it into our river, our Shashumna, into the many streams, the Nadis, in which we connect to it all, to each other. And there's a saying that an ocean never refuses a river. So we open up those clear channels in which we can flow in that way in which we touch our basic goodness, our desire to be joyous and happy and not to suffer needlessly, that we extend this Maitri towards ourselves. And then once we can actually hold our own humanity with loving arms, acceptance and friendliness, then we can come off of our mat and extend it to others. That we don't just awaken to love and truth and end up in enlightenment retirement. We step off of our mat and go out and share our findings. This is why I teach, because what I practice, what I experience, I want to share. It comes alive when I share it. It lives within me. I feel it as truth. 
And may we all know love. May we all know friendship. May we all know compassion beyond all boundaries within ourselves and with others. That compassion begins by the capacity to hold our own heart with the arms of the loving beloved. And that then we can actually extend that to others. You know, this act of kindness for me is to show up on my mat to not only just practice asana, pranayama, mudra, mantra, all the kind of yogic tools, but to also sit in meditation, reconnecting to my embodiment and abiding in the self as the self, my ability to use these tools for self-care, to um, attend to my own hurt, my own negative thoughts, my own emotional pain, my own instabilities felt, and using my breath to guide me back home into my true home, the mind in heart embodied as me and connecting to that grace in which I surrender to. And that way in which I have to instill kinder words and hear them, believe them, soak them in, and then that way in getting my physical needs met, knowing how to get my physical needs met. And so the acts of kindness is not only through the actual act of practice, it's through our thoughts, it's how we connect um, to our feelings, it's the energy that we show up with, and that unconditional willingness to reconnect to something where we find our way back home in the arms of this truth. So with this tender kind of intention to care for ourselves, increasing our empathy for our own humanity, it's a very provocative experience because you'll notice that there's resistance. You'll notice that you become attached to a different story or a, a part of you, I don't deserve this or I'm not enough. And Welcome those Clashes in. And as we welcome and try to find a more um, loving space to hold ourselves, like, oh, Sephir, you're having a really hard time, be your own friend. And what would you do with your best friend who's having a hard time? I see you. Wow, we're having a really hard time. You matter to me, and I'm right here with you. And as we bravely face together some of the most scariest, some of the most hurtful, some of the most hot and burning experiences. I'm right here and I love you and I'm not leaving you. And in that way, we become transformers of suffering so we can be of service to others. And this Maitri practice um, is said to actually um, draw you out of attachment increase your ability to cut those karmic bondages that keep you stuck in your old stories, your old habits, your old stuff that um, prevent you from actually living your fullest life. And in that, you, as these practices develop, you gain um, a greater capacity to expand in our loving kindness, in our ability to act wholeheartedly as a friend and hold space for others. So as we do this practice, I welcome you to find 
that inner best friend to face your shadow side and to hold yourself in this might tree. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for being open and willing to practice this way. I thank you and namaste. If you would like to continue to practice, find out more information about the topics discussed, or to donate to this podcast, please visit ZephyrYoga.com or follow the link in the episode description. I thank you.